starting a new ser- series, Pasalums. So Maricel is rag. What's a Pasalums in Afrikaans? Is it Pasalums? Have I said it right? Pasalums. First, uh, first series today around Pasalums. But don't turn to Pasalums. Don't go there just yet. Let's start off in Ephesians chapter 5. I don't know where that is, Daryl. Breathe. She doesn't know yet that you're not quite sure. Just breathe. You go New Testament. You go Corinthians, Galatians, somewhere around there before Philippians. You'll find the book of Ephesians. So open up your smartphone. Pull that Bible app up. Scroll through down there. Ephesians chapter 5. Chapter 5. Let's, let's listen to these pages being turned. You can pray with your eyes open. God doesn't mind. So Lord Jesus, as pages are being turned in your Bible today, as fingers are scrolling down that app to get to the book of Ephesians, we could have taken any piece of scripture from your word, and and we could have asked you to make it come alive to us. Today we ask, Holy Spirit, take Ephesians 5 and make it alive to us. Take, take your word and let a sentence, let a statement, let a word jump out in every single person's heart, in their spiritual minds today, God. Let today be a life-changing day through your word, I pray, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Ephesians 5, verse 14. Got it. Wake up, O sleeper. That's what it says. Hope you're awake. Wake up, O sleeper. I wonder what tone that was written in. Wake up, O sleeper. Another translation says there, wake up and start redeeming the time. That's a little bit softer. It's it's maybe encouraging. Please wake up. Please start redeeming back the time. It's beautiful, eh? Wake up. Do not get drunk on wine. Some of us have come from alcoholic backgrounds. Maybe you're still dabbling in it. Maybe you've got saved out of an alcoholic background. God saved you out of that. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And here it is. And speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music to the Lord. Always. Say always. Always giving thanks to God the Father. For everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit. Say submit. I'm going to talk about that a bit. Submit to one another out of reverence to Christ. Friends, this particular piece of scripture that we're reading now is is written to Christians. And you know what the problem is? Non-Christians, people who don't believe in Jesus, you know the problem that they have, the biggest problem they have with the church, is that the church takes a piece of scripture like this and puts it on them. Can't get drunk. Don't get drunk. This piece of scripture is written to Christians. And I had a mate a few Friday nights ago, a couple months ago, he, he said to me, Daryl, we were standing, he said, I believe, I believe. And, and since that Friday night, God's been just nagging me, go and speak to him, go and speak to him. And I sat with him a few Fridays ago in his office, a Friday morning, his staff weren't there, we had a Nespresso cappuccino, and it was a God moment, because in his office, I looked at him, I looked at him, and I said, buddy, you can't stop doing this. You can't carry on like this. You've got to stop doing this. Well, how did, why could I do that? Because he said to me that Friday night, I believe. I believe. That gave me the door to say, all right, if you believe, then you've got to stop going down this road. And Jack, but good having you. Last week, Jack shared, remember he shared how he used to believe, 
But through this testing storm of this car accident, he's now become, together with his fiance, he's become a believer. And I pray the same for my mate, that he's not just going to say, I believe, that he too is going to get on the road like Jack and say, I'm now a believer. I want the same for my buddy. Another way to describe this is to use the same word, but in two different ways. You use the word roots, R-O-O-T-S, and then you would use the same word roots, R-O-U-T-E-S. And so for us who've given our lives to Jesus, we've planted our lives in the roots, in the foundation of Him, the cornerstone of our life. And and because of that, the roots, the R-O-U-T-E-S of my life changes. My roots, my direction in the way I'm living changes. And the problem that we do, we go to people who haven't planted their roots, R-O-O-T-S, and we say to them, change the roots of your life. Stop drinking. Don't get drunk. But they've never changed their roots. They've never made a decision to say, I too want to plant my life and root it in, in Jesus and so this, this piece of scripture is for Christians. And if you're sitting here today, sir, and you're drunk, I'm not speaking to you. I'm speaking to Christians. And so we've got a belief system that changes. We start living a different way. I like to see it as a change of lifestyle. My lifestyle now changes. Not only do I believe differently, but I start living a lifestyle that's different. And, and, and people look at us in Benoni and they suddenly see a change. They start, us, they start seeing us living differently. And it starts becoming attractive. Wow, what's happening? And God starts building a community together of people that are living different lives. Let me tell you quickly about my first job. I was about 19, 20 years old. I don't think you know this yet. And I, uh, <clears throat> for those of you who've ever been on a, on a date, a first date, you take that amazing girl for a dinner. And you're sitting there, and, and there's, there's a bit of chemistry, but you're looking at her, and out the corner of your eye, you see this person walking towards the table with a nice big bunch of flowers and teddy bears. Yeah. Good evening, sir. Would you like to buy the lovely lady a rose or a teddy bear? And it's like, she looks at you, your data, and you wish she'd say something, but she doesn't. She smiles, and you know, how much is it? 150 bucks! Half the bill, and you pay for this teddy bear, rose, and, and you, next week you go to another restaurant because I'm not going back there, and it's happening, and, and, and someone else comes in, good evening, sir, would you like to buy a rose or a teddy for the lovely lady for charity, 150, and you wish your date would just say something like, it's okay, don't worry, but she also doesn't say anything, it's like crazy. Where did these girls come from selling roses and teddy bears? Me. I used to drive them around. From shopping center to shopping center, from restaurant to restaurant, and we used to do the flowers and sell them. But I tell you what was a luck. When we used to get the route for the northern suburbs, not Boxburg and Benoni, and we used to go to those Lani restaurants out there on the highway in Manusung Langley at 130 plus VAT, and shop around there and get those chicks into those restaurants selling the flowers. And, and there was a specific stop that we used to stop at on the way home in the early hours of the morning. It was a pub in... Ravonia, I'll never forget. And these girls used to say, we've got about another 10, 15. We're going to get rid of them. Let us stop at this pub. Because they knew there were a group of unhappy husbands sitting at this pub in the early hours of the morning. And they could sell these flowers to these husbands and convince them in their drunken state to buy a flower for their wife who thought they'd be home five hours ago. And we used to drive back to Kempton and hear the stories about how these men used to speak so loosely. To these women. 
and how they lost control of time. That's number one, friends. There's three things that drinking causes us to, 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 to start doing. Number one, drinking causes us to start losing control. Losing control of time, losing control of your tongue, losing control of your testimony. And that's what happened here with these unhappy husbands sitting in the early hours of the morning, morning drinking. You, you lose control of time. The Bible says, do not waste your time. We've just read it. And, and that word for debauchery is to spill out time. To, for time to be wasted, don't waste time. Friends, hear me carefully today. I'm not being illegalistic, and I'm not saying don't drink. But we're looking at this comparison that God gives us between being drunk and between being controlled and living by the Holy Spirit. Between being in control and out of control. You've got to get that today. Ask yourself this question. Are there times in your life when you drink and you start becoming out of control? Be honest. Do you have a blind spot maybe? Can I ask your wife sir, if, if you've got a blind spot? No, no, Daryl, don't ask my wife. Can I ask your best friend if you have a blind spot when it comes to alcohol? Yes, ask him. He's my best friend. He's got my best interests at heart. Is he a true friend? Is that best friend really a true friend that has got your best interests at heart, friends? Does alcohol change you and cause you to lose control? That's number one. The second thing that alcohol does is, have you ever heard of that uh, statement, Dutch courage? Drunk for drit, or, or drown your sorrows. That's what drinking does. It comes back to this particular text, friends. That's why I think God puts it in the Bible and it compares between being drunk and between being filled with the Spirit. You know what pharmacists will tell you? They'll say that, that alcohol suppresses you. Alcohol causes you to lose, to drop your filters, and you start acting differently. That's number two. Alcohol causes you to act differently. I had a group of friends who used to spend holidays together at the south coast at my folks' place. We used to have massive beach parties. It was a jewel. Big parties. And then I'll tell you what they used to do. Some of them used to get on the back of four by fours, and they used to drive up into the sugar cane. And in the middle of the night where total dark, just the moon, they used to jump off the back of the bucky and do some, some bush diving into the sugar cane. Crazy. And it was even better if the lights were switched off. Total darkness. Now, if, you, if you're sober, you, you don't do things like that. But when you're drinking, it doesn't matter. And the broken collarbones and the roasties all over their bodies, that's what you do when, when you drink. You start acting differently. You start acting unnaturally. Number one, you lose control. Number two, you start acting differently. And the third thing that, that drinking causes, drinking starts building a community. People are lonely. People want to be included. And so you'll put something on Facebook or Instagram or your WhatsApp profile pic. You want to be included. And so Friday night, I want to, I want to be part of a community. I want to go out and spend time with, with a group. And so people drink because they have a fear of being excluded. And so drinking leads you to, to, to be part of a group and, and, and feel included with, with people. Number one, you lose control. Number two, you act differently. And number three, drinking starts building a community together. And you know what the Bible says? It says, don't be drunk. Instead, instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So in other words, the Holy Spirit has the same effects as drinking. 
The Holy Spirit has the same effects as being drunk. Number one, just like losing control when you're drunk of your time, your testimony, and your tongue. When you're filled with, with the Holy Spirit, you're also not in control. You ever seen somebody stand up here during praise and worship? They walk to the front shaking. And they can hardly keep their knees together. And they're holding the mic and they can hardly speak. And they say, I'm not very good at speaking in front of people. But I sense today God is saying this to us. You ever heard of someone who's said, I've never prayed out loud for somebody. But I sense I've got to get this person and just pray something that's on my heart. What causes that person, friends, to step out of their chair and come forward down here in front of all of us? Why don't they just carry on sitting there? The Holy Spirit starts to override them. The Holy Spirit starts to take over something where they can no longer hold it. They've got to come and say, there's something that I sense God is telling us here at Freedom. So that's what happens, friends, when the Holy Spirit starts to take over. He starts to take over. He starts to override our restrictions. When you're drunk, you lose control. But when the Spirit of God takes over and controls you, you live a life of purpose. And you don't waste opportunities. You realize the value, the power that one moment can have. Number one, the Holy Spirit controls you. You're no longer in control. Number two, Holy Spirit causes you and I to act differently. Just like alcohol causes my mates to act differently and, and uh, bush dive, Holy Spirit causes you and I to act differently. Alcohol retards me, causes me to act differently. The Holy Spirit is a stimulant. Oh, that's a, that's a bit of a disrespectful word. I say that respectfully to God today. The Holy Spirit is a stimulant. The Holy Spirit stimulates you and I to act differently. When we come out of a meeting and we want to react, Holy Spirit stimulates you. Don't react like that, Conrad. When that customer doesn't pay and you want to react like that, Holy Spirit stimulates you to act differently. Holy Spirit starts to lift me up. And I start to act like God wants me to act. Not like I want to react because this is me. I want to act like this. Holy Spirit wants you and I to act differently. And He stimulates you and I to act differently. You understand that? Thank you. I had a mate. I walked a journey with him a couple of months. I couldn't get this guy out the pub. Because night after night after night, he used to sit in the pub drinking, hoping that his sorrows and his life that, yes, had been turned completely upside down, hoping his problems would go away. And so he turned to drink to, to make his problems go away. Holy Spirit doesn't take away our problems, friends. Holy Spirit gives us a, a bigger picture of what we're actually going through. Holy Spirit gives us perspective that, you know what? This isn't as big a, a, a problem and a challenge in the greater scheme of God's faithfulness and, and God's potential to cause this to be turned around. Holy Spirit causes you and I to act differently. Alcohol suppresses you. Holy Spirit stimulates you. Yeah? And number three, friends, when I'm filled with the Spirit, I start to form a community. Just like when I'm lonely on a Friday night and I want to go out drinking to be part of that. Holy Spirit starts forming a community. It says submit to one another. So we don't come here in a school hall to, to be bossy and to tell each other what to do. We don't come here on a Sunday to get hit over the head by the pastor. 
We don't do that. Say, submit to one another. We form a community. We're not trying to own each other. We're not trying to control each other. We celebrate one another. We celebrate each other's gifts and talents. And I believe that is a community that God wants to build. It's incredible. Community that the Holy Spirit starts to build. It says, be filled. Say, be filled. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. I've seen mates of mine trying to drink and drink and drink, and maybe some of you trying to break the world record at staying drunk for as long as possible. I've seen mates do that, friends. It doesn't matter how long you try and stay drunk for, sooner or later, you have to wake up. And then you have that thing that they call babalas. After a night out, there's that uh, same word that they use for debauchery. It's, it's the word exhausted. You are exhausted the next morning. You've been out, you, you're wasted and exhausted. You've got to take that Red Bull as a stimulant to keep you going for the day. And God says, if you understand the Word of God, you will not live a life of up and down and up and down. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you will live a consistent, more of a consistent life. And so what happens? We're looking for experience. And so the core conference is coming up in two weeks' time. And I can remember last year driving back on the R21 Sunday night. I'm on a high. I'm ready to take on the world. And Monday morning, boof, hello again. And, and the same for people. They're looking for that experience. They want to go out on Friday nights drinking with their mates. And then we'll, okay, we'll be okay for three, four days. Let's not go Friday. Let's go Thursday. We're looking for that experience up and down, up and down. Holy, what does it say? This says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled continuously. How do we get this right? Let's just talk about it. What does it mean to be filled continuously? Whew. That famous Christian commentator, he said, the biggest problem that Christians have is that they need to take the word worry out of their lives. Hurry, sorry. They need to take the word hurry out of their lives. That's the problem that we have. We're always in a hurry. I was talking to the kids in the car about this during the week. And my son says to me, Dad, when I get a job one day, I'm always going to be in a hurry. So I won't be able to take hurry out. And my daughter looks at me in the rearview mirror and she says, don't the teachers realize that we have a laugh? <laughs> We're always in a hurry because the teachers don't know we have a laugh. And Michelle and I know one or two teachers. And I look at them and think, don't they have a laugh? They're just as crazy and busy. We're busy. And I'm in a hurry. Be filled with the Spirit. How do we do that? Because here I'm living a life, hectic, crazy, busy, and it says be filled. I think the Bible is saying we've got to practice being filled with the Spirit. When I'm sitting having a quick breakfast or a shake with my kids, Holy Spirit, be with us today. Holy Spirit, help us to hear your voice. Help us not to miss opportunities today. I walk into that meeting. Lord, help me not to react today. Help me, God, just to, just to be sensitive. Help me not to say anything. And you walk out that meeting. Holy Spirit, help me not to react. I feel like resigning. I feel like I'm done. Holy Spirit, help me. And you get home at night, and you're sitting having dinner with your kids at whatever time. I pray with my kids when they go to bed, and I say this. Holy Spirit, help us to dream nice things. What are we doing, friends? We're including the Holy Spirit. It's taking practice. Every opportunity we get, we try and fill our lives, fill our day, being filled with the Holy Spirit. I think that's what this verse is busy telling us about, friends. Be filled. It doesn't depend on whether you feel good or you feel bad. I think being filled with the Holy Spirit takes practice, no matter what you're going through. And I think the more you practice it, the, the more you're going to start living a very consistent 
life. And, and from that place, we see it says, start speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And so that's, friends, where we get psalms from. It comes from Ephesians chapter 5. And we're going to lay a foundation today for the psalms series. And then over the next few weeks, we're going to unpack some of them. We're going to talk about them. You know what they did in the olden days? They would take pub music. How's this? And they would take the, the psalms, the words from God's word in psalms, and they would add the music from pubs to that. And that's how God's theology was spread over the world. We're going to sing these psalms to one another. We're going to add music to these psalms. And we're going to trust that they're going to come alive to us. And maybe we read one or two when we were young. Or maybe we've heard one or two at a funeral. We're going to trust that they're going to come alive to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. But these are the psalms that I love us to understand. Psalm 139, what does that say? It says, even if I go to the heavens, you are there. Even if I make my bed in the depths, you are there. It says, God, even if I go to the far side of the sea, you are there. When my mate and his wife get on a plane tomorrow night and they fly to Italy to celebrate this theology, Psalm 139 says, God is already there. God already knows who they're going to come into contact with. God God has already planned who they're going to look at and, and show just a little bit of love and love of encouragement that maybe they need. God already knows what they're going to see, where they're going to go. How do I know this? Because it's all in Psalm 139. Wherever I go, God is there with me. We're going to sing that psalm to one another. And you know what else it says in Psalm 139? It says, you and you were fearfully and wonderfully made. And all your days were ordained before the first day of the earth. Look at the person next to you. Do it. Just look at them. There we go. Just look once. Look at the person in front of you. They have a different nose. They've got a real different smile. They have a totally different personality. They've got a completely different upbringing. Different personality. And you know what? God put them together in their mother's womb. And he made them exactly the way he wanted to. They have their own unique DNA. They have their own unique character and personality. And you and I, friends, listen, listen. We don't have the privilege to gossip about them. Oh, I know what's going on. We do not have the privilege to gossip about that character and DNA that God has put into that person. God has made them exactly the way he's intended them to be. And we, have the, we don't have the privilege to try and control them or change them or change their DNA. I want to sing that psalm over you. I want to celebrate Psalm 139 over your life. That you've been fearfully and wonderfully made. What? He's an introvert. And I'm an extrovert. And, and Martin does laugh at 120 k's an hour. He does things thinking about it clearly. He, he makes calculated decisions. And sometimes I'm at 200 doing stupid things. I don't have the right to change you and control you. But and we're on a team together. We're doing life for Jesus together. I want to celebrate your strengths, bud. I want him to celebrate our differences as mates, I, I don't have the right to control him. Oh, he's too loud. You mustn't be so loud. You must calm down. Oh, he's too quiet. You must start talking some more, bud. No, God has made you the way he wants you to be. 
He's intended you to have that personality and DNA, and we've got to celebrate each other the way God has made us to be. You are fearfully. Psalm 139, you're fearfully made. You're wonderful, but. But everyone called me this week, Tuesday afternoon. I'm sitting in my study, in my dining room. Phone goes, please go and pray for my wife's grand. She's 94 years old. She's going to die any, any day now. Okay. And I go off and I drive there and I rock up. Pastors come. Psalm 45 comes to mind. Jesus rides with truth, humility, and righteousness. Daryl, when you walk into that hospital room, but are you coming there with truth, humility, and righteousness? Are you coming there to speak the truth to your, wife, to your mate's wife and her brother from Australia? Are you looking at that brother and speaking the truth into his life? Are you living a life of righteousness, Daryl, as you're standing there praying for this little granny? And are you standing there with humility? Because Psalm 45 says, Jesus rides with truth, humility, and righteousness. And when I want to be on the winning team with my mates at Freedom, I've got to ride with the truth of Jesus and his humility and his righteousness. Psalm 45. I'll speak that over your life, sir. When you walk into a board meeting and you think I'm the man. Psalm 45. Truth. Humble. God detests arrogance. Psalm 90, that's a gripping power, power psalm that. It's the only psalm that Moses wrote. Only psalm in the Bible. He says, Lord, you have been my dwelling place. What does that mean? Lord, you've been my dwelling place. For years, for months, I think weeks, Moses lived in the confines of a basket. Remember that? And then Moses lives in a palace. Beautiful. And then he lives in the desert. No matter where you are right now. Maybe you feel like you're living in the confines of a basket. You don't know where the next cent is going to come. God's going on a holiday. I don't have a next cent. Living in the confines of a basket, are you able to say, God, you are my dwelling place. It's got nothing to do with where you live. You, God, are my dwelling. You live with me. I'm connected to you. Live in the dwelling place. You are my dwelling place. Psalm 90, can you say that for your life? And then, and then, friends, we're going to sing these psalms to one another because we see so many emotions in the psalms. David's up, and then he's down. Psalm 42, let's have a look there. It starts with, why are you so downcast, oh, my soul? David's crying out. Why are so disturbed within me? There's emotions of doubt and impatience. God, why are you not answering me? God, where are you? It finishes with this low. And some of you are depressed today. Some of you are sitting. Why so downcast, my soul? Why are you so disturbed? Why are your situations affecting you the way they are? There was a time in my life where I had some very dark days. There were some weeks where I didn't want to get up. And I'd, I'd, I'd send Michelle to take the kids to school, and I just wanted to sleep and sleep and sleep. And you think I've got it all together. I don't, friends. I know a little bit about what it means. Just a little bit about what it means to, de- to be depressed. Why so downcast? Why, why are you feeling the way you are? Friends, we need the Spirit of God to stimulate us as we look through the Psalms. And the Spirit of God to stimulate us to a far bigger picture than what we're going through. Because God is building a community here that is real, that is radical, and that it's all about relationship. 
And so the Psalms go into this valley. And then Psalm 73, here's a big one. We're going to look at that in a few weeks' time. It's how the Guptas are doing business, or how they were doing business. They're flying, man. And when there's trouble, then they're just flying out of there. There's no consequences. I want to do business like the Guptas. There's no consequences. I want to go be going back to my old, worldly, wayward ways. Because there's no consequences there. I'm done this Christian life. I, I, want, to, I want to do life in the way the world does, the way I used to, because it was happening. And, was, and then it says there, it says, my foot nearly slipped. It's like, why must I do this Christian thing? Why must I, I, I live this life? I want to live the way I used to. Maybe you're a woman sitting here today, single, divorced, and you're thinking, why must I carry on living sexually pure? Why? Until it says there, it says, I entered the sanctuary, and then I understood their final destiny. Then I realized why I can't let my foot slip. Friends, don't let your foot slip. Because then, he says, I realized their final destiny. Let's read Psalm 69, and we're going to close off. Turn with me there, Psalm 69, please. I'm nearly done. Starts off there to the tune of lilies. That's interesting. I wonder what the tune of lilies sounds like. I have this picture in my mind of someone sitting next to a lake, beautiful, peaceful birds, maybe sunset, sunrise, and there's these water lilies, beautiful. It's peaceful. It's quiet. That's the, that's the tune of lilies that I, that I have in my mind. And it says yeah, why, maybe why, why is David sitting watching these water lilies? Because he's worn out. Way, way, way more than just being tired. I'm worn out. Verse 3. I'm worn out calling for help. Say worn out. You worn out today, friends? The same problem just keeps coming up and up again in your marriage. Daryl's not going to change. I'm worn out. Same meeting. I've got to face the same meeting. The same stuff they're going to bring up. Face the same WhatsApps from him again. Just the same. Nothing's changed. Verse 4. I'm forced to give back what I didn't steal. It's unfair, God. Things, things unfair in your life at this time. It's unfair. Why am I going through this? What have I done to deserve this? Verse 8, I'm a stranger to my brothers. You've got relational tension in your, in your family. You've got relational tension between you and your kids. Maybe your brother-in-law is so mad because he thinks you're siding with your sister. Stuff happening. This psalm is for you, friends. Psalm 69. Verse 12, those who sit at the gate Mock me. I'm the song of the drunkards. I heard a story about a man whose wife bought him some purple soled shoes, like really modern, cool, hip shoes. And he thought they were cool. His wife did too. And he wore them to work one day and he was sitting in a meeting with his boss and colleagues. And his boss saw the shoes and made some drastic, challenging remarks about, about the joking, but not, you know. He never wore those shoes again. Winston Churchill was drunk at a function one evening. And a lady said to him, Sir, you are drunk. And he looked at her and he said, Yes, ma'am, but you are ugly. <laughs> and tomorrow I will be sober. <laughs> and that next morning, Churchill woke up sober. And she woke up, looked at herself in the mirror. I'm ugly. I'm ugly. And she woke up the next day, and the next day, and those words rang out, I'm ugly. I'm ugly. 
People say ugly things when they're drunk. I'm the song of the drunkards. Someone spoken words of ugliness over your life. Psalm 69 is for you. Psalms, verse 17. I'm in trouble. You're in trouble today. Psalm 69 is for you. This whole week I've been looking at Psalm 69. And this thing keeps coming up in my head about a man that's going to be here today who's in trouble. And you probably say, oh, Daryl, you're just throwing that in. Because probably 8, 9, 10, 20 men are in trouble. No, no, no. I was sitting in my bus in the garage this morning preparing, and it came up again. I think there's a man here today that really, really, really is in trouble. And if this comes out, I think you're going to go to jail. Phone me. Because I might not know what to do, but I know who does. In trouble today, Psalm 69. Verse 19, I'm scorned. I'm disgraced. I'm shamed. Verse 29, I'm in pain. I'm in distress. Let's read this all in one shot. I've written it down. I'm worn out, calling for help. I'm forced to restore what I did not steal. I'm a stranger to my brothers. I'm the song of the drunkards. I'm in trouble. I'm scorned, disgraced, and shamed. I'm in pain and in distress. Is that for you today? There's a lady sitting here today. I I saw her on Wednesday, and I invited her for a cappuccino or two or ten. She's sitting here this morning. She's in pain. She's in distress. Some major challenges that just keep coming her way. But she's come to a church this morning who is singing the psalms with her. And I'm committed with my friends to sing the psalms over her life. She's in pain. She's in distress. Psalm 69 is for you. Look what it says in verse 20 quickly. It says, scorn has broken my heart, has left me helpless. I looked for sympathy, but there was none. For comforters, I found nobody. They put gall in my food and gave me vinegar for thirst. Where have you heard that before, friends? Come on. Jesus is on the cross. What happens here, friends? They take that sponge full of human excrement that was used in the sewers there, in the public latrines. People that used that sponge to wipe their bottoms took that sponge full of human rubbish and they shoved that in the mouth of Jesus. I want to say to you today, I want to say to you today, give me your attention as we close off here, friends. The shame, the scorn, the rejection, the words that have been spoken over you, you are useless, mother. Jesus has taken all of that onto the cross and it's finished. Psalm 69, it's got Jesus written all over it. He's taken that, your past. He says, your scorn, your shame, your disgrace, your pain, your pain, sir. Don't be drunk. Don't be drunk on wine, which leads to waste. Rather be filled with the Spirit. Rather see the big picture. Rather allow the Holy Spirit to see the big picture. That even when you're in trouble, even when you're in pain, even when you feel rejected, in the midst of that psalm, friends, Jesus today, Psalm 69, is busy building a solution to your life. Freedom Church, over the next few weeks, let's sing the psalms. Let's speak to, the, let's speak to each other with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. In Jesus' name.